This is Penned In, the podcast for all things bookish. My name is Anna Kate Meadler, and I'm here to help you find your next read. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 11 of Penned In. This week, I'm going to be wrapping up all the books that I read over spring break. I don't know about you guys, but I desperately needed this spring break. March, I had such high expectations for it. I thought I was going to read so many books, and it just flopped. So I was hoping going into spring break that I would be able to knock out a good handful of books. I mean, I packed probably four extra books in my suitcase anticipating a whole week of reading. And that is not actually what happened. Mostly because season two of Bridgerton came out. And like everyone else, I wanted to watch that. But I did read three books over break. The first one I read, and the book that probably took up most of my reading time this week, was Spy Schools, a nonfiction book by Daniel Golden. In short, it's basically about how the CIA, the FBI, and other foreign intelligence agencies exploit America's universities from the Ivy Leagues to really tiny colleges that you've probably never heard of. I'm going to be honest, I was kind of surprised at how interesting this was because spring break, coincidentally, is also college decision week. So you'd think that it would be a poor decision to read a book about colleges since I'm also or was waiting on college decisions, but it actually was pretty entertaining. And some of the stuff mentioned in this book, honestly, you could believe that it could come out straight out of a spy movie. Just some of the stuff that particularly the FBI and the CIA poll in universities, I had no idea that they did any of that. So again, it was kind of interesting to learn more about that. I realize I'm probably talking in circles a little bit, mostly because if you've been on this podcast, you know that I don't really read nonfiction. I read more fantasy, romance, thriller books. So when I do read nonfiction, which is not very often, I don't exactly have a lot of criteria for what I like, what I don't like about it, how I'm going to rate it. And because of that, I mostly just rate nonfiction books by how much they entertained me, which I realize is hard because Every single nonfiction book, in my opinion, is going to drag unless it's a really entertaining memoir. In the end, I gave this one three stars, which is actually a really good rating for me when it comes to nonfiction. I thought a lot of it was really interesting, but it was also a little repetitive, and there were so many names that I had a very hard time keeping up, which again, could just be the genre but it was a little hard because there are a couple instances where he would just switch between the last name and the first name. And 
I just wish he stuck to one. Because when you don't do that in books, it gets so confusing. And then you're left like, wait, who is that person? He also used the word clandestine a lot. I'm starting to think that's just a thing that journalists do. Because I was reading Midnight in Chernobyl, which is another nonfiction book. And the author used the word clandestine a lot. And I just, I just really would like to know why they use that word and where are the synonyms? Why that one? I'd also like to know why it's clandestine and not clandestine, but I don't think I'll ever get an answer to that, even though clandestine sounds cooler, in my opinion. I'm aware I do not have that many listeners on this podcast, but if you are a journalist and you know why so many other journalists use the word clandestine, please tell me. I would love to know. That's all I'll say on spy schools. Again, I don't really have much to say about it because I'm not really sure how to go about reviewing the nonfiction genre. It definitely is a good book, so if you're into reading about colleges and corrupt agencies and how they manipulate professors and students to get what they want, then go check it out. The next book I read was Girl Crushed by Katie, and I hope I'm saying this last name right, Heaney? Well, anyways, however you say her last name, this book was a DNF. I probably, I think I DNF'd it around 40% because just some commentary and the way the plot was going really bothered me. And then I read some reviews and realized that, oh yeah, my suspicions were correct. So I gave it one star in the end. Basically, it follows our main character, Quinn, who is just starting senior year, and she was in love with her best friend, Jamie. But then Jamie dumps her, and suddenly she's left girlfriendless and best friendless. So of course, they're going to enter a new crush, Ruby, who's Drop Dead Gorgeous, and she's the lead singer of this popular band in their city. And she's also single. The problem is, the more Quinn grows to Ruby, the more she misses Jamie. I'm going to be honest, this entire plot just made me really uneasy. And it's also partially the reason why I finally caved and looked at the reviews on Goodreads to see if anyone else thought this. Because... It just rubbed me the wrong way because I couldn't really see any chemistry between Ruby and Quinn. So to me, it was quite obvious that Ruby was just a rebound for Quinn, which bothered me immensely, especially because it felt like Quinn knew it too. And because she knows it, she's basically just leading Ruby on the entire time because she doesn't want to acknowledge her feelings, which is really not okay. In all honesty, Ruby is probably the only character I ended up liking in this book. Everything about Quinn just felt forced. Like, her feelings and the chemistry all felt forced, which I'll admit, this book was a lot more readable than another book I gave one star, but still. I know it was mentioned in the synopsis that Quinn was going to get back with Jamie, but I really just wanted her to end up with Ruby. And 
Apparently, for a short bit, she does end up with Ruby, but they break up because, one, Quinn has been pining after her ex the entire book, which I could have told you that, and two, doesn't think Ruby is committed enough for their relationship, even though apparently, and this was mentioned in a ton of reviews, because again, I DNF'd this at 42, so mostly because of what people who read the entire book said. Even though Ruby came out publicly in order to be with Quinn. And a lot of the problems stem because Quinn thinks, because Ruby was originally dating a guy, that she can't possibly have real feelings for a girl, which is just plain biphobic and the reason why I stopped because I am not interested in reading about that. That is not why I came to read this book. And when I thought back on it, there was actually quite a few subtle biphobic comments and apparently this author is openly biphobic. So moral of the story, look at the reviews before you read the book. Don't be me. Don't waste your time reading a book that ends up being biphobic reviewer and I'm just saying their comma because I also kind of find it funny they just said how ironic that after finishing this book I am in fact a girl crushed crushed by the overwhelming anger at Katie Heaney and biphobia in general and not cute sapphicness yes but still and I say it because those are my feelings exactly except for the part where I finished the book because luckily I had awesome people who stuck it out and read the whole thing so I didn't have to and now I'm here telling you guys about it on my podcast so you don't have to read this book either and can instead find time finding and reading better sapphic books because I know they're out there. I realize this review isn't as in-depth but to be honest there are no more words that need to be said about it just avoid it find better books I'm going to find some better books and review them here. But enough about that. The last book that I read over break was The Duke and I by Julia Quinn, which is the first book in the Bridgerton series. For those that have not been obsessed with the new Bridgerton TV show, as I have been, basically, The Duke and I follows Daphne Bridgerton, who makes a deal with Simon Bassett, who is the Duke of Hastings. Basically, they're going to pretend to be in courtship so that Daphne can get suitors and the ambitious mamas can leave the Duke alone. Naturally, they end up falling in love with each other. I didn't actually expect to read this book. Honestly, I just downloaded it because I was in the middle of season two and I said, hey, what if I read the books because I'm really enjoying the TV show? So that's what I did. Before the plane flight, I downloaded The Duke and I, and then I read it, the entire plane flight. It was all I did, and it was really good. I actually think there were a lot of things that season one of the show got right. The banter was great. I thought the sibling interactions were utterly hilarious. And I actually found it awesome how I would be reading the book, and I'd be like, oh, the TV show made that into a scene, which was honestly kind of cool. There was one thing that was a little disconcerting, 
partially because Julia Quinn's books are a lot less diverse than the TV show. And because I watched the TV show first, I kept picturing Simon as Regé Jean Page, who, if you know him, he has brown eyes. But she keeps describing the Duke's eyes as like these bright, icy blue eyes, which I can't picture because I just keep picturing him as Regé Jean Page, which is 99% likely a better image than what she had in her mind because let's face it if you've seen him you have to admit he's really good looking i also want to just give testament the fact that i had already watched the tv show so i actually knew everything that happened in the book and i still enjoyed the absolute hell out of it which i think speaks a lot to just the author skill as well as just the story in general in the end i did rate it three stars only because of one scene. Everything else was great, but there's just one scene that just did not need to be in there. If you've watched the show or read the book, I think you know what I'm talking about. Quick spoiler warning. Basically, it's later on the book. Daphne, because she really wants a baby, decides that she's going to essentially rape Simon in order to have one and that's just that did not sit well with me at all and to be honest I did not like that it was in the tv show either they could have found something else they really could have but they didn't and that's that's the only reason I knocked it down two stars because that scene made me really uncomfortable and it did not need to be in there. They could have had more conversations and he was right to be mad about it. And I get that she's naive, but that still doesn't excuse what she did. Again, other than that, it's a really great book. I'd actually say that the TV show is better purely because I just think the visuals and the audio of Lady Whistledown just really adds to it. And that's all I have for this week. As always, thank you guys so much for listening and make sure to check out next week's episode on Spotify or Anchor.